From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. It's been nearly three and a half years since Democrat Stacey Abrams narrowly lost the Georgia governor's race to current Governor Brian Kemp. Less than 55,000 votes separated the two. So let's be clear. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede that. But my assessment is the law currently allows no further viable remedy. Since then, the former State House Minority Leader's national profile has risen sharply. She's become a best-selling author, founded the voting rights group Fair Fight, as well as the census-oriented Fair Count, and become a leading Democratic voice on issues like election law and Medicaid expansion. Because America wins by fighting for our shared values against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is who we are. And when we do so, never wavering, the state of our union will always be strong. Now, in a challenging national environment for Democrats and tough local environment for Republicans, Abrams is running again under the banner of One Georgia, centering her campaign around access to health care and investment in rural Georgia, and presenting herself as an alternative to Governor Brian Kemp. I'm running for governor because our current leader has exposed us to both ineptitude and inaction that is inexcusable. I'm running for governor because we need a leader who can understand the pain we're feeling, but can help us figure out the promise of what's next. This week, we continue our coverage of Georgia's governor's race with a look at the energy and mission behind Stacey Abrams' 2022 campaign. Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. And four years ago when I applied for this job of governor, I had my application declined. It's okay. I've had four years to work on things. I've had four years to live up to what I told folks I would do when I was running for office. You see, four years ago, much of our conversation became consumed by who was going to have a voice in our state. But let's not forget what we were talking about. Stacey Abrams is not the governor of Georgia, but in the shadow of a shuttered healthcare facility in Cuthbert, more than 160 miles southwest of Atlanta, she begins her statewide One Georgia tour and offers a glimpse at why she wants voters to change that come November. I'm going to work with local governments to actually find out what you need and work with you to pay for what you need. Because when we grow rural Georgia, we grow our state. And when we grow our state, we grow our economy. And it cannot simply be the places we like. You see, the problem with the current governor is that depending on where you live, there has been support. I intend to be governor for all of Georgia, especially southwest Georgia. Clay County and Early County and Terrell County and Mitchell County, Colquitt County, Quitman County, and Randolph County. The choice of Cuthbert is intentional, like everything Abrams has done in her quest to lead the state over the last five or so years. The town's mayor, Bobby Jenkins, told a small crowd that losing the hospital was devastating to the just over 3,000 residents who live there. We're here at the hospital, which closed uh, October 22nd of 2020 in the heat of the pandemic. And of course, 
Uh, we lost 40 jobs, and since that time, maybe 10 of them have been replaced with the uh, Dollar Tree. But losing a hospital, we lost so much more than that. You just can't put it on jobs. Cuthbert's struggles with jobs, health care, and infrastructure tugs at the heart of Abrams' second campaign thesis that a unified one Georgia comes from expanding access to Medicaid, fueling economic growth in rural Georgia, and investing more in programs that cut down on educational and financial inequality. Because this election is about not only the pain that people feel today, but about the promise we should build for tomorrow. I want to live in a Georgia where everyone expects greatness, where we celebrate success, but where we cultivate those opportunities in our children, in our communities, and in our leaders. Stacey Abrams may be most known for her voting rights advocacy through organizations like the New Georgia Project and Fair Fight, established in the wake of the 2018 election cycle. And access to the polls are still central to her campaign mantra. But the issue of expanding eligibility for Medicaid coverage is the North Star guiding her 2022 campaign so far, one that focuses on highlighting ways she says Republicans have fallen short in leading the state by not doing that. Abrams, who was an attorney, is considered a master policy wonk. She took several questions from the dozens of people that showed up in Cuthbert. Someone asked what she could do about getting money to have more roads paved. The answer, in part, had to do with Medicaid expansion. There's something called uncompensated care. That's the number of people who go to the doctor when they can't afford it and can't pay for the doctor when they leave. Well, in many of our counties in Georgia, that money, that cost gets passed on to your counties. And so when you see your property tax in jump, but your value of your house hasn't, part of that is to pay for uncompensated care. When we expand Medicaid, in every state that has expanded Medicaid, they have seen that amount of money come back into the pockets of the citizens in that county, and the county government gets that money back. That's money that can be spent on ambulances, but it's also money that can be spent on roads. It's money that goes into your school system. When you expand Medicaid, it doesn't just help our health care. It helps our bottom line. We with that policy knowledge, Abrams' campaign is peppered with personal anecdotes, both for people that introduce her and the candidate herself. Rhonda Jones-Johnson, a nurse who used to work at the closed hospital in Cuthbert, introduced Abrams with a personal story of why Medicaid expansion would be more than just a platitude. Back in November, my aunt, our aunt died at home waiting on the ambulance. We had only one ambulance in the county, no emergent care, no hospital open. If only we had a hospital open here in Randolph County, I truly believe that her life could have been saved. The coronavirus pandemic has upended many aspects of life for most Georgians, with people losing loved ones, jobs, and access to the same level of care as before. Abrams shared her own story about moving her parents into her home after her father's recent health issues. She said she saw firsthand the urgency of fixing an uneven health care system. His legs were swollen after a recent surgery, and the family was concerned. We were able to call our family physician, and she was able to tell us to get my dad to a doctor. Had my father not made it there, the sepsis that had set in from his surgery would have killed him. But you see, this conversation in our family took about two hours. If he'd lived here in Cuthbert, I don't know that my father would still be with us. And in the state of Georgia, we should not have differences of outcome because of differences in zip code. 
More than 100 miles away, and a few hours later, Abrams addressed a crowd that included military families and Warner Robins at a sunny outdoor restaurant overlooking a peaceful lake. You see, we know that right now, thousands of our fellow Georgians have been sent overseas to Europe. They are being stationed in case they need to be called up into Poland and Lithuania and the Baltic states because there is a malicious dictator who has decided that democracy should not exist anywhere near him. And he has attacked the people of Ukraine. He is killing people. He's killing babies and mothers and families. He is ripping apart community. And he is doing so because he is angry about possibility. On the campaign trail and in interviews, Abrams is unflappable. An audience member tried to argue the 2018 election was stolen from her, something Abrams quickly shut down. A CNN reporter asked her about National Democrats' agenda being stalled and if it could affect her race at all. I believe that part of our responsibility is to state our goals. And if your goals are so small that anybody can do them, why do we bother electing people to try? And so our first responsibility is to have the greatest aspirations. We should have a federal minimum wage. We should have voting rights. We should do the big things, the tough things, the hard things. But we should also be honest about how long it's going to take. And my responsibility as I run for governor is not to distance myself from the hard things. It's to talk about how we get the hard things done. It's a different Georgia than 2018 and a different political environment than 2020. Democrats mobilized a rapidly growing, younger, diverse population into victories in 2020 and 2021 runoffs, running Abrams' 2018 playbook that focused on places where Democrats don't normally go and reaching voters that most parties typically don't reach. But nationally, Democrats, including President Biden, who won Georgia in 2020, face rising unpopularity and stalled priorities despite controlling the White House and Congress. Still, despite this national outlook, Stacey Abrams is running full steam ahead in her quest to become the country's first black female governor. I I am proud to be a black woman whose experiences and whose qualifications and whose efforts can result in me becoming the governor of Georgia. It matters what we see. Uh, For the last few years, I've been castigated a bit for the boldness of my ambition. And that's because I grew up in a community where I didn't see people who looked like me who were expected to be governor or mayor or the CEO of a company. This campaign for governor is expected to be bruising. Former Senator David Perdue, backed by Trump, is challenging Brian Kemp, but mainly also attacking Abrams. And let me be very clear. Over my dead body, will we ever give Stacey Abrams control of our elections again? Kemp, too, is leveling attacks at Abrams. I mean, we ended the year with the Braves winning the world championship. We started the year with the dogs winning the national championship. And we're going to get to November, and we're going to keep Stacey Abrams from being your governor or your president. But, of course, Abrams is not running for president, and the outcome of the 2022 race for governor is still months away. (laughs) 
At the end of the day, 400 total miles later, Abrams pulled up to a rally in Atlanta's English Avenue neighborhood, and the crowd was full of students, volunteers, and everyday supporters instead of the typical party dignitaries and VIPs. Her stump speech mirrored similar themes from earlier in the day, referencing her campaign stops and adding a sense of urgency with every sentence. I just came from Cuthbert, Georgia, where there was a hospital that shut down in the middle of COVID in one of the hardest hit areas of our state. I was introduced by a nurse who explained that her aunt passed away because she couldn't get an ambulance in time, because the hospital that could have saved her life was shut down and the ambulance that needed to take her to Alabama for service couldn't get there in time. That is a travesty. That is an atrocity. As Republicans fight over the direction of their party, Abrams is an undisputed leader for Democrats. No other candidate signed up to run against her. She is ready for a rematch against Kemp, if he successfully fends off Trump-backed David Perdue, and her second run for governor is positioned as a referendum on two decades of Republican control in a state that is now demographically and politically as purple as they come. Still, Abrams' growing notoriety outside of Georgia has proven to be both bane and boon as she balances her national presence with a hyper-local political focus. She's appeared in the season 4 finale of Star Trek Discovery and earned millions as an author and speaker, but also used her nonprofit to wipe out medical debt for nearly 69,000 Georgians. In a battleground state with outsized stakes, she's the one candidate that could turn out Democrats and Republicans in droves, though clearly not for the same reasons. Whether it's education or healthcare or rural infrastructure, Abrams' candidacy argues that Republican leadership in the state has left many Georgians behind, even those from the majority party, and that's something she wants to change. We do not elect a governor for the power of suggestion. We have to recognize that if we are going to be one Georgia, we will have different plans for different people, but we've got to make those plans together. We've got to stand behind those plans. We've got to invest in those plans. Battleground Ballot Box is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting, produced by me, Stephen Fowler. Our editor is Josephine Bennett. Our engineers are Jake Cook and Jesse Neiswanger, who also wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.